This podcast and others are brought to you by everythingvoluntary.com. Voluntary principle states that all human relations should happen by mutual consent or not at all. This podcast aims to promote respect for the voluntary principle in all walks of life and for all age groups. My name is Skylar Collins, and this is Everything Voluntary. You can receive all new content offered by EverythingVoluntary.com in your email inbox every single weekday for free. Visit Digest.EverythingVoluntary.com to subscribe. Hello and welcome to the podcast. It's, what is today, February 4th, 2021, and the Saints go marching on. Um, I guess in this episode, we're going to browse through white people Twitter and black people Twitter. We'll start with this one. It's from white people Twitter. Somebody on Twitter named Alex Picciarelli doesn't have a uh, doesn't have a date that it was shared. It doesn't seem very timely. It seems like maybe it was written probably over the summer. This person writes, "Make the police academy a four year program, and I bet we get rid of a lot of these assholes." I got to go to school for eight years to understand the law enough to practice it, but it takes six months to learn it enough to enforce it. Fuck out of here. Fuck out of here. Um, I agree with you, Alex. Six months is not nearly enough time, but that's not really the problem. It's not really the problem. Six months, six months, I think, is, is a sufficient amount of time to learn how to be a peacekeeper, right? It's plenty of time to learn how to defend yourself, to learn uh, de-escalation tactics, to learn how to handle a weapon, and to learn how to spot when somebody's committing an actual crime. Is it six months enough to investigate real crime? Murder, robbery, arson? No, I don't think so. That's more specialized and would require more time. But for a a regular, I guess we could say, beat peace officer, six months seems like plenty of time. It really does. You don't need to know the law when your role, your job is not law enforcement. And that's the problem here. The problem is not how long they're learning to do their job. The problem is what their job is, what their job entails. I don't believe that a free society can have law enforcement officers because there is no positivist legislated law to be enforced in a free society. Free societies feature governments that perform two roles, peacekeeping and dispute adjudication. And that's it. That's it. There is no room for legislatures and law enforcement within a free society where the government sticks to those two only proper roles. So should the police academy as it stands today, the law enforcement academy, should it be a four-year program? Well, somebody's got to pay for that. And when you're spending other people's money, it's much easier to not have any regard for 
uh, supply and demand maybe, right, for where the needs are and how to meet those needs in an efficient and costly way, right? People are more careful spending their own money, right? Entrepreneurs are much more careful spending their own money and the money of their investors than bureaucrats and politicians are in spending money they stole. So it's easy to say make it a four-year program, but you don't know. You don't know, you know, where between six months and four years that line should be drawn. You don't know. Four years could be a total waste, maybe two years. Now, I understand you've got to go to eight years to be a lawyer. Should you have to go to eight years to be a lawyer, though? I don't think so. I think that if somebody is self-taught, they should be allowed to practice law, right? And their their knowledge and their abilities and their capabilities will be put to the test in the courtroom. Okay, this is this is the the the, the legal profession is a is a legal cartel, right? They make it exclusive for their own benefit, and they also make it exclusive so that they can disbar you if you challenge foundational claims like jurisdiction. Okay, because if you're in the club, then you've accepted jurisdiction. That's the problem. You shouldn't have to be in the club to challenge these people. That's why it's a cartel. Okay, that's from white people Twitter. Let's find something from black people Twitter now. Okay, this is by somebody on Twitter named Ashley Stevens. It's from a few days ago. She writes, I don't ever want to hear poor people need to learn financial literacy, learn how to save and invest again in my life. The past two days have proven that that that's a lie. The market is fake and the game is rigged. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's absolutely true. The market is fake and the game is rigged. Um, I, I, I highly doubt that this person... Maybe not, but I doubt that this person, you know, truly understands the implications of that, the extent of that. She probably thinks um, that, you know, it's rigged by Republican Wall Street billionaires and that Democrats need to, you know, or, you know, want to and need to do something about it and can do something about it, have actually have the requisite knowledge and wisdom to do something, something <laughs> about it. But maybe not. Maybe maybe this is her red pilling, as uh, Michael Malice would say. The game has always been rigged. There's the ruling class, and there's everyone else. But once in a while, somebody innovates and creates something that isn't quite seen as a threat yet, and it and it manages to do a bit of damage from their perspective. Robin Hood. I created an account a couple of years ago, I think, when it came out. Robinhood allowed somebody with, with, without any money, just a little bit of money, to get in and buy stocks really easily. You could just go in and buy a stock. Now, I know that Robinhood doesn't – you don't actually own your Robinhood stock. They're all, you're, all, you're just really making orders for the big guys to come buy up. And you know, there's, there's a way it works, and I get that. But contractually, I guess, you're going in with very little money – 20 bucks, 10 bucks, whatever, and you're buying stock, right? And the and the and the innovation there was that now regular people, right, based on what she's saying, poor people could go in and start to learn about the market and could start to participate in the stock market and buy stuff and see where it goes and sell it and get in on the action. And I think it was going pretty well for a while. I think it's been a few years since Robinhood's been out. 
Um, I, you know, when I created my account, it was a couple of years ago when, when, uh, the first crypto stuff was rising up, you know, Bitcoin was hitting 20,000, that sort of thing. And it was, you know, I was, I had some crypto and I was watching that and I, um, started a Robinhood account and then Robinhood added crypto. I never bought crypto with Robinhood. Um, I used something else, but it basically helped regular Joes who didn't have, you know, 10, 20, $30,000 minimums to get into the market and to be, you know, to manage it yourself. So it was a great little innovation. But now the innovation has been exposed. It's been exposed as a tool that the big guys really don't want out in the market. I don't think there's anything wrong with short selling, just like there isn't anything wrong with long buying, (laughs) shorting stocks, longing stocks. It's all the same thing. It's all useful, I'm sure. I don't think any of it's fraudulent. I don't think any of it's wrong or unethical. I think it's probably all necessary in order to better understand where the wisdom of crowds is placing um, value. I think that's probably a good thing in the long run. But now a significant number of people have more power in the market than they had previously. And these uh, sleeping giants didn't quite realize what that entailed. They didn't realize that it entailed a shifting of their power to the little guy. My guess is that this shift would have would have occurred a lot sooner decades ago had there not been, you know, a significant level of government regulation in the stock market. My guess is more people would have been in on it and would have had this power earlier had that power not been protected by the state. But like I said, this innovation slipped through. It wasn't it wasn't seen it wasn't understood. It wasn't noticed for what it represented, what it, what, it, what it was able to do. Well, now the cat's out of the bag. Now everybody knows. And there will probably be changes that will forever, will, that will take stock of this power shift and seek to reverse it. How far that will go really depends on how loud people can be who don't, who, who, don't want that to happen. And maybe these people can be loud. They've got some more wealth now. <laughs> maybe. I don't know how many how much of its paper wealth, right? They've pushed up the price by buying GameStop and AMC and Hertz and whatever. But it's not it's not anything they can do anything with until they sell it. Right? On paper it may be twenty five million dollars, but you've got to start selling it before you can realize those gains. So, you know, it's funny because every time there's something, there's something like this. There's always um, people on both sides, left and right, Democrat and Republican, who say something needs to be done. We need to do something. Something will be done. But we each have our own ideas of what that something is. So we're going to work together and we're going to put our ideas together and, you know, which is in a sense doubling down on the regulation that needs to happen. And we're going to come out with something. And that's going to be a good thing because we did it, right? You see it with Section 230. Both sides want to uh, alter 230. Section 230, which protects platforms from the speech of their users, right? Both sides are complaining about it. Will something happen to it? Will it survive the next six months, 12 months in its current form, which may not be perfect, 
But is there is there any expectation that it will move towards perfection or away from it? That's that's the rigged game, Ashley. That's your fake market. You can't trust that what you see happening in the world, in the economy, is how things should happen if things were allowed to happen spontaneously and naturally. And, you know, maybe you, maybe you, maybe you like the way the game is rigged. Maybe you liked all the regulations, but it doesn't mean the game isn't rigged. So let's, let's go further, Ashley. Let's keep digging. I like your attitude. Don't stop. You're at the surface. You're just at the surface. You're, you're about two inches beneath the surface. Let's get down six feet, 10 feet, 15 feet. Keep going. All right. Let's, let's go back to white people Twitter. All right, this one is uh, from somebody who goes by Godless Liz. She writes, Most non-religious people wouldn't have a problem with religion if it was something benign and privately practiced, instead of something weaponized to oppress people, justify harmful beliefs and rituals, proselytize and convert, and infiltrate government. (laughs) Now, she seems right to me. Um, And I'm sure religious people wouldn't have a problem with non-religious people if they didn't do a lot of the same things. But... The thing that I wanted to point out is this bit at the bottom, and infiltrate government. Uh, Miss Godless Liz seems to be confused. She seems to be confused about what government is. Government is simply a belief, a faith, that some people have the right to rule, to initiate force against other people. It's full of harmful beliefs and rituals. It's full of proselytizing and converting. Worse, it's full of indoctrinating and brainwashing. That's what happens in government schools. And it's full of weaponizing to oppress people. So government is already a dangerous religion. And I wouldn't have a problem with any of it if it was benign and privately practiced, right? You want to be a monarch, be your own monarch. You want to be a Democrat, be your own Democrat. On your own property, keep it to yourself. Leave me and mine out of it. And we will leave you and yours out of our crazy beliefs. Our beliefs will be benign and privately practiced. And we ask that you do the same. Will you do the same? Probably not. (laughs) You're going to force them on me. Godless Liz is probably not godless. It sounds to me like her God is probably government. It's probably authority. And I think that's about it. I don't have much else to say on that. <laughs> All right, let's find, let's find something from Black People Twitter. Okay, this is by maybe a distant cousin, somebody named Wilmot Collins. He writes, Colin Kaepernick took a knee in a football game to protest police brutality. He lost his job and faced harsh backlash. Marjorie Taylor Greene suggested the killing of her political foes and harassed survivors of a shooting massacre, and she gets to help pass laws. <laughs> um, the, 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 the wrong lesson is probably also being uh, learned here, but that's par for the course. Nobody should be passing laws, right? That's, that's the injustice here, that anybody, even somebody as, as, as crazy or insane as Marjorie Taylor Greene, supposedly. I don't, I don't know who this person is. I've seen her name and headlines, but I guess she's a congresswoman. And she's probably crazy. A lot of them are. She probably did what this guy's claiming she did. I believe that. Um, the fact that she has any power at all is the tragedy here. The fact that anybody is, is allowed to exercise this kind of power to pass 
laws. What the hell does that mean? To make up rules that other people must obey or else. That's what that means. To make up rules that other people must obey or else. And the else is, ultimately it's death, uh, but it's also loss of liberty. It's being caged. It's being kidnapped. It's being caged. It's having your property taken. It's having your life destroyed. Because I made up a rule that you have to follow. Um, I would say that what Colin Kaepernick did was heroic. I think that he sat, he made a terrible sacrifice for pointing out what is an injustice. Police brutality is an injustice. But let's, let's not be exclusive here. Let's be inclusive. And this is one of my problems with the, the protests over the summer and the Black Lives Matter was how exclusive it became. It was not an inclusive movement. Everybody is affected by police brutality because everybody's affected by this mistaken concept known as law enforcement, which I've talked about in this episode and and many other times. We are all affected by what is tantamount to an evil institution, right? Government and their passing rules or else that other people must follow or else and the enforcement wing of that institution. Everybody's affected by that negatively. Um, so, you know, bravo Colin Kaepernick for doing what he did. He sacrificed for something that he believed in truly. Um, a lot of people do that though. A lot of people sacrifice things for, you know, sacrifice a lot for what they believe in. Everybody in the Capitol on January 6th, right? They knew there were, there was press and there was cameras and there was, you know, social media and they they knew they knew the risks they were taking, but they believed in their cause too. Is Marjorie Taylor Greene a true believer? Does she truly believe that her political fo- fo- foes are evil and must be killed for the good of everybody? Probably. She probably does. She probably is a true believer. Am I a true believer in the things that I believe? Yeah, I am. Right? So here's here's the question. Does centralizing the legal use of force protect us from people who would use force in the protection and uh, of their beliefs or does it does it make it more likely i think it makes it more likely right so the so so the idea that people have strong enough beliefs that they would hurt other people for them is an argument against it's an argument against the state it's an argument against this idea that there should be people making rules that everybody must obey or else. That's a recipe for disaster, as it has been, and as it, it will continue to be. I don't know what the future holds for the world, for this country. Are things better here for your typical person than the rest of the world? We're up there. We're absolutely up there. I can't say we're the best place on earth. But based on some of the things I've seen in other places, I'm glad I'm here and not there. But I don't know. Sweden looks has looked pretty good uh, so far last year, this year. They didn't lock everybody down and force masks on everybody's faces. There are freer places than the U.S. The U.S. continues to slide downward in the freedom indices. So, you know, I don't know. I don't expect to ever go anywhere else. I expect to continue ignoring the state as best I can and not willingly giving it anything that they're not 
putting, that they're not actually putting a gun to my head to get, but who knows? All right, let's find, uh, let's see, that was four. All right, let's see if something else jumps out at me. Okay, let's, let's end with this one. This is from White People Twitter, somebody named Amber Noel. Her Twitter name is a ball of flaming anxiety. <laughs> she writes, unpopular opinion. I don't think your life has to have a purpose or you a grand ambition. I think it's okay to just wander through life finding interesting things until you die. I want to say that I agree with her because I don't, my life doesn't have a purpose and I don't have a grand ambition. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty much doing what, she, what she's talking about, wandering through life, finding in, interesting things. I've had, you know, different careers. I've done different jobs. Um, I got married. I bought a house. I had three kids. Those kids are also now wandering through life, finding interesting things. They're growing up. They're going to start hitting things like driver's license and first job and, you know, maybe a GED. Um, who knows, right? Their, their lives are not anything like my life was, right? My, my life was conveyor belt, right? Was, was, was the government conveyor belt, government schools, even a little bit of church in there. Um, you just go through it. Their lives haven't been that. They've had a much uh, higher level of autonomy and control over their day to day and, you know, the interests they want to pursue than I did. How will that affect their adulthood? Well, I hope it has a positive effect, right? But like, like raising kids for any household, it's an experiment, right? Putting your kids in school, it's also an experiment. And so many people come out in different ways from that, that there's no guarantee of anything. So, you know, obviously what we've been doing is also an experiment. How my kids will feel about it in 10 years, in 20, in 30, I don't know. Right now, they're pretty happy with it. What will be their purpose? Will they find one? What will be their ambition? Will they find one? I don't know. Does it matter? Probably not. I think that the important thing is just feeling well in your own body, in your own mind. This person is a, a ball of flaming anxiety. I don't know what that means. I would expect it to say a flaming ball of anxiety, but a ball of flaming anxiety, I guess maybe it's really bad anxiety. And the idea of finding ambition and purpose is probably a big part of her anxiety. So she probably shouldn't go in that direction. I don't know what she should do. She should probably microdose psychedelics. <laughs> but yeah, I think I agree with her. I don't I don't think life has to be some big ambition. I don't think that we have to have we have to or we should have big dreams that we've got to go after. But we can if we do great. Truly, if you do, then you should probably uh work towards that. If that is what fulfills you, then you should do that. But I wouldn't feel anxious or depressed or ashamed if that's not currently a part of your life. It doesn't matter, right? It really doesn't matter. <laughs> it certainly won't matter when you're dead. But if you do, I mean, if you do truly feel ambitious about something, then, then, then great. More power to you. You probably should follow that. That will probably be good for you. Follow that. Don't let anybody get in your way. Don't ask permission. Just keep going. And if you don't, then that's fine too. Just relax, right? Do what you can 
to get by, to survive, if that's what you want to do. And hey, if you don't, if you don't want to survive, (laughs) if you feel like you no longer want to tolerate existence, that's okay too. You shouldn't have to tolerate existence. All right. I think that'll do it. Please remember, don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. And like I just said, don't ask permission. Thank you so much for listening and have a better day. Please send your comments or questions to everythingvoluntary at gmail.com. If you like this episode, please subscribe to Voluntarist Voices, a podcast featuring lectures, interviews, and audio essays by intellectual giants, past and present. You can rate and review this podcast in your podcast app, and please share it with everyone you know. Please consider supporting this podcast and everythingvoluntary.com by setting up an automatic monthly donation at patreon.com forward slash EVC. One-time donations are also accepted at paypal.me forward slash everythingvoluntary. voluntary.